0: American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. So
1: now am obsessed with time. My name is Joe, and the same name as coffee, because coffee does your body good. You know what I'm saying? It, it perks you up. I'm just like a cup of Joe. I get okay. you excited. I, I'm i sugary and sweet. I'm brown. Okay. And I'm sticky.
0: All right. And this and is... And
1: I, I make stains all over your car. Okay. When you spill me.
0: And we're getting a little too personal now. No. Oh. This is the podcast that brings you all the crazy, nostalgic, interesting things all from the past, all and we do things. it year by year. And because
1: back back in the day, there wasn't the internet to go viral, so we're bringing you the viral hits of the seventies.
0: Yes, we are. The and Things we are in a new year that gone tonight. Gone viral. We're going to talk about nineteen seventy-eight.
1: We're already in nineteen seventy-eight, y'all. Yes.
0: And so, what's the first event?
1: That's it. You don't have any other descriptions for our podcast?
0: We, no, we don't need to have 20 minutes of what the podcast is about every um, time.
1: Charlie is a new listener. He just found us at random. He'll figure it out. And he's listening, and he's like, oh, what the hell is this?
0: He'll figure it who out. Who are these idiots? We gave a very concise description. I Although think he's good. saying,
1: boy, they have sexy voices, but who are these idiots? Who are these sexy-voiced idiots? I think he's
0: saying, what the fuck is passes for entertainment these days?
1: And then he's saying, boy... I really let my pubes go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, time it's time it's to trim that. those.
0: You might say that. You don't know.
1: <laughs> Hello, new listeners. Welcome, new listeners. Um, <laughs> it may be time to trim your pubes and turn off the
0: podcast. Or it might
1: be time to just listen to podcasts. Your pubes might be Hello, good
0: Queen shape. City Podcast Network. <laughs>
1: Queen City Podcast Network hasn't kicked us out yet.
0: Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.
1: <laughs> All right. Starting at the beginning of the year of 1978, Yeah. as I do, I have several things. It seems like I have more. Maybe I half asked this year, but it seems like I have more things that I couldn't find dates for. And I, I'm giving up sooner rather yes. than struggle and struggle and look for them. I'm just like, you know, who cares?
0: Yeah, wh- who cares Here's when? some
1: things in 1978. It just kind of gives that's you a snapshot.
0: Fine. I think that's fine. Well, I, don't think, I don't think this any- delicious New
1: England IPA. Sh-
0: I don't think anybody's going to, you know, miss that. My
1: biggest fear is that somebody's going to be like, ha, you idiot. I did a quick Google search and on the seventh thing I found it happened on this date. Nobody nobody's
0: gonna do that. So
1: so usually when I go over these things it just gives you kind of a feel of nineteen seventy eight and of of what the year was. And I'm just gonna start right now and just say I this year kinda sucks, I think. Really? <laughs> yeah, there's it's kinda it's kinda gib heavy. Oh, it's music wise. Disco. So you're this is the like disco. Mu- you're talking about music wise. Yeah, music. Just, yeah, in general. Like, just Jesus Christ. Gibbs again? Like, it's just yeah, a disco. Lot of city, like, it, disco was must have been, 78 must have been its peak because, yeah. holy shit, everything was disco. Okay, I really? mean, every single thing was a disco version I love of it. something. I love um, it. But uh, some things. Uh, the first Star Wars action figures were released in 1978. Oh, they were. Yep. Minimum wage. Remember, I said before Star Wars came out, and that they couldn't get the figures ready in time because they didn't think it was going to be such a big hit. Oh, them so That's bad. right. Minimum wage in 1978. Mhm. Two dollars and sixty-five oh my cents God. an hour. Wow, isn't that crazy?
0: That is crazy.
1: I make two sixty-five an hour. I'm doing pretty good. If you made five bucks an hour, you were doing You're pretty good.
0: Doing pretty damn good. That's crazy. That is.
1: 1978 was the peak year for vinyl sales. Okay. The largest year, and then it kind of went down from there. Yep. In 1978, a tennis player was allowed to use absolutely any object as a racket.
0: Really? Yeah. So did they have people out there with, like, crazy things? Yeah,
1: one guy had a refrigerator.
0: Yeah. They somebody used a, a mini fridge. Yeah. My umbrella?
1: Yeah, an umbrella. Uh, you could use giant, there's a lot of dildo tennis p- players that use g- big dildos. So did it have to be, be a different, dildos?
0: did it have to be a certain size it at least?
1: I, don't, I didn't really look it up, but I'm assuming it could be any size. So
0: you could so, bring like a... could um, be a
1: fishing net.
0: Like a fingernail file.
1: You could bring a fingernail file, popsicle stick, uh, tweezers, a, fing- a hangnail could be your tennis racket. Or you
0: could bring something giant. That, or you
1: could bring something giant like a... Uh,
0: like a t- parachute.
1: A, 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 a Cadillac.
0: Parachute on a stick.
1: A piano. Um, in 1978, uh, Glenn... Glenn Burke was the first Major League Baseball player to come out as gay to teammates and team owners during his professional career.
0: Oh, you know, I think I, I listened to a dollop about Glenn Burke.
1: No, we talked about him.
0: We did, but I think, remember high when five. I said, remember when five. I said, why do I feel like I've heard this story oh, before? Well, yeah.
1: he was the first one to come out to team owners and his teammates, uh, and he said by 1978, I think everybody knew, and he was sure his teammates didn't care. It's yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, that is uh, cool. Home That's Depot. what they said
0: on the dollop. They said that nobody it, gave a shit. The, yeah, the players didn't care. It was the, it was like the owners that were the, you know, so homophobic the ones and that were everything. Worried about it. But the players couldn't care less.
1: And they are the guys who were showering with them. Yeah. You know, after a baseball game, a lot of players suck each other's dicks in the shower anyway. So it's not a gay thing. It's just what baseball. It's just partying. Players, it's just, they're well, just partying. Well, it's just after. It's like team just team camaraderie. Sometimes Dude, I was just partying. Yeah, you could say that, but you know, every every sports game ends and people sucking each other's dicks in the shower. That's not gay. Oh, it's just okay. what they do
0: after the games, I think. Well, that um, could be as yeah. far as much as I know. Yeah, it's it's true.
1: Home Depot was founded in Atlanta, Georgia in nineteen seventy eight. Okay. The Maryland state legislator considered a bill that would have made it illegal to play the song Short People on the radio. What? In 1978. Why? Uh, there was a cons- uh, uh, congressman or uh, he, an elected official who really didn't like that song. It <laughs> was really he was, What? He was a real short guy. This I can't remember his name. I had his got name written no no down. no reason to live. Yeah, <laughs> his last name was uh, D- Isaiah Dixon, I think his name was. He was real short and he hated that, so he wanted to make it illegal and it didn't pass. Let's hope not. Uh, That's
0: pretty funny, though.
1: Yeah. Superman was supposed to go public. Uh, go to public domain in 2014, but a bill was passed. I mean, everything copyrighted before 78 will now have 95 years of copyright protection. So... Is that boring? Is that dumb? You know how, like, this year, this year there's supposed to be a bunch of stuff that's now in the public domain. Because oh, really? It's like 75 years.
0: Oh, okay. So...
1: I don't came to the math, but, but now to...
0: they they added ninety years onto that pu- before anything, it's before it goes into the public domain.
1: Yeah, anything copy, copy before seventy eight has ninety five years, I guess.
0: So, so if it was copyrighted in seventy seven, then ninety five years later, it's not in the public domain until the ninety five years after that. Yeah, I guess. I don't. That whole thing confuses me. Anytime it. we talk about yeah. that, I'm like. What now? Yeah. Uh, in Yukon, Canada,
1: mm-hmm. uh, sometime in 1978, a bulldozer uncovered buried reels of nitrate film during excavation of a landfill. About 500 old films dating from 1910 to
0: 1921 were
1: recovered. Oh. The treasure trove includes long-lost news reels of World War I and many long-lost silent movies.
0: Any pornos?
1: And probably some pornos.
0: There probably was. Think about all of the films. Oh,
1: yeah. There probably was. Nothing like old. There
0: had to be at least a couple.
1: Yeah, those 1920s porns. everybody had giant beavers. Yeah, they did. Uh, According to the Weather Channel Online, Mm -hmm. um,
0: uh,
1: the National Weather Service started using boys and girls' names for storms instead of just women. So from 1953 on, it was only women, women's names.
0: I wonder who thought that.
1: Do you know why? Well, you want to know why? Yeah. For many years, hurricanes and other cr- tropical storms bore only girls' names because it was an era of political correctness, uh, when political correctness had never been heard of. The exclusively male meteorological, meteorological community... The exclusively male mm-hmm. meteorologi- meteorological community, I can't say, <laughs> say that, that in the USA, considered female names appropriate for such unpredictable and dangerous phenomena.
0: Oh, my God.
1: In the 70s, the growing numbers of female meteorologists began to object to such a sexist practice. That is. And from '78 onwards, girls and boys names alternated. Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
0: That is crazy. I wonder who's the first person to come up with the idea of just naming them.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they did before. Right? And they don't
0: name any other they don't name the a Blizzard. Of they don't name they, yeah, they just say the yeah. Blizzard of seventy eight.
1: Well, speaking of that, I don't have that in my notes. I should have the blizzard. I didn't look that up. I don't know when that happened.
0: We already talked about it last year.
1: No, this is nineteen seventy eight. That's when it happened. Oh it is? The Blizzard of seventy eight.
0: I thought you maybe it started. T- I thought in we talked about I thought we talked about it last time. Last I episode. I don't
1: think so. Anyway, Martha Moxley. Here's two bigger stories. They're kind of bigger, but they kind of. The th- the gist of the thing happened sometime in 78. Okay. They're kind of bigger stories. Okay. You ever heard of Martha Moxley? Yes. You do? You know that murder? I it don't was a murder.
0: It's a murder, but I don't know the story.
1: Know. Okay. Well, she was uh, beaten to death in 1975. Mm hmm. Um, but the primary suspects in the murder were Kennedy Cousins. Thomas mm-hmm. and Michael, Skal- Skakel? Mm-hmm. Skakel S-K-A-K-E-L. Michael Skakel Skakel maybe S K A K E L Michael Skakel Thomas and Michael Skakel although however Michael Skakel in 1978 was overheard stating I'm going to get away with murder cuz I'm a Kennedy mm. He was ended up he ended up being convicted in 2002 He was Yep On the evening of October 30th 1975 Martha Moxley left with friends to attend Mischief Night, mm. where the neighborhood kids pull pranks like ringing bells and toilet papering houses. Mm-hmm. According to friends, Moxley began flirting with and eventually kissed Thomas Skekel, Michael's brother. Mm. Moxley was last seen falling together behind the fence with Thomas Skekel near the pool in the Skakel background, backyard at around 9:30 p.m. The next day, her body was found underneath a tree in her family's backyard yard. Her pants and underwear were pulled down, but she had not been sexually assaulted.
0: Oh, really?
1: Pieces of a broken six-iron golf club were found near the body. An autopsy indicated that she had been both bludgeoned and stabbed with the club, which was traced back to the Skakel home. Over the years, both Michael and Thomas Skakel significantly changed their alibis the night of Moxley's murder. Michael Skakel claimed that he had been window peeping and innocently innocently masturbating in a tree behind beside oh the Moxley property from 11:30 p.m. to 12:30 a.m. Oh my god. A whole hour. I was I was just masturbating for an hour outside her tree. house looking in her windows. I'm not I'm not guilty here.
0: Oh my god.
1: And two former students from Elan School, a treatment center from for troubled youth testified they heard Michael confess to killing her with a golf club. Gregory Coleman testified. That well, because that's given probably how it started.
0: Provisions. It it was probably he was probably in the tree, masturbating, and then he probably got all worked up and decided he was going to do something about it.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know how that. Like, why does killing somebody have to do something about it? Because they didn't do anything to her.
0: Yeah, but some people get off on killing people. That's oh, the I know
1: somebody who does. You?
0: No, I'm talking about the act of killing people.
1: Well, it this. Our story's not over yet. You haven't yet murdered me, but I'm pretty sure that's how it's going
0: to end. <laughs> <laughs> I what I was listening to um my favorite murder and Conan O'Brien was on uh-huh. as a guest. He was? Yeah, the whole episode huh. and he's obsessed with murder. Like he he's like I love murder so much that I either want to murder somebody or be murdered. Conan like, O'Brien? Yeah. <laughs> and he like he said uh, my my wife bought me a, like a doorstop for uh my birthday and instead of Engraving something like real sweet, like you know, to Conan, love you or whatever. She just put the word murder on it. <laughs> <laughs> he loves murder. <laughs> so he loves murder. Well, it
1: makes sense for him to be on a podcast because he's got his own podcast now. That's really good. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Gregory Coleman testified that Skakel was given special privileges, saying Skakel bragged, "I'm going to get away with murder." I'm Kennedy. That was sometime in 1978. He said that. Okay. Now the other big old story. Involves Hillary Clinton in 1978. While she only made $25,000 a year, she invested $1,000 in cattle futures. Have you ever heard of this? No. So she invested $1,000 in cattle futures. Ten months later, when she closed her account, it was worth $99,541. Oh, wow. A 10,000% return on her initial investment. Wow. Wow. One analysis performed by Auburn University and published in the Journal of Economics and Finance claimed to find that the odds of return as large as Clinton obtained during the period in question were about $1 in $31 trillion. Oh. And so this is did one of the things. That people point yeah, to. Yeah, that they, you know, when she started running for office, they mm-hmm. started uncovering all this stuff. And like, crooked Hillary, and this is what she did. And so it all kind of goes what people think is that um, uh, they had an advisor, Bill and Hillary had an, a, an advisor named James Blair, who was a friend and a lawyer, and he was also outside counsel to Tyson Foods, mm-hmm. and he helped them, you know, invest money and stuff. mm mm-hmm. um And uh, he, let's see. He did really well trading commodities, futures, and kind of, he encouraged friends and family all to the end of the market, too. So, he helped, he supposedly helped her. Um, oh, okay. But he relied on, uh, he wanted to invest in cattle stuff, cattle markets, because he relied on expertise from a broker named Robert Redbone Refco who mm-hmm. used to work at Tyson, and then he started his own, like, mm. firm investing. And so he would, like, get inside information about oh. animals and shortages and things, I guess. Um, but oh, I the see. big the big thing is that they're saying that uh, Hillary didn't have that much money. Like, she lost all the money she put into it before she won. So it was like, and they just didn't...
0: She lo- They what? just,
1: like... She only put a thousand dollars in and so she lost. She was down like way more than that right away, but they just didn't collect it from her and just let her stay in the market, I guess, until she oh. won kind of thing. So more than more than saying she crookedly did something, they just didn't uh they like didn't um they kinda gave her money to play oh, with kind of thing. Yeah. So it wasn't really her money and they were kinda like looking the other way with stuff like that, I guess. Um Although some people say that um, Tyson endorsed Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Clinton, for running for uh, when he ran for some election, uh, and then they Tyson switched sides after Bill Clinton did not lobby the state legislature to increase the weight limit on trucks. Um, that's what they wanted. They wanted him to lobby for increasing. Weight limit on trucks for chicken oh. shipping or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, it just gets into a murky like, yeah, they were bought and paid. So it probably was a thing where Bill Clinton was paid off to yeah. do something for chicken, chicken companies or something. Well,
0: they're I mean they're politicians. Yeah, they're they're crooked. all crooked.
1: Everybody's crooked, except for
0: except for who? Um, Trump. No.
1: Ted Stevens, one who said the Internet is a series of tubes. No, um, know, maybe he is, too. Joe Biden can't be, right? Maybe he is. Yeah, they all are. Um, okay. And I think that covers all the things that I didn't really have a date for. Okay. Um, but as you remember, we started off, we left 1977 mm-hmm. with the number one song from the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. Remember that song? How deep is yes. you know? How deep is you? That was the number one song mm-hmm. heading into the year. Um, and then on January 14th,
0: 1978.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is a stupid story. Kurt Godel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I hope that's how you say it. What does the umlaut mean over an O? I don't know. G-O-D-E-L with an umlaut. No. See, Motley Crue has it, so Godel, maybe? Motley Crue has a...
0: I don't think Motley Crue put it there. <laughs> they like, don't know what o mean. No, yet. I think they just put They're, it there. <laughs> it
1: looks cool, man.
0: Yes. I don't think they were like, well, the, that's the technical pronunciation that they use. Yes, they
1: didn't think some idiot like me would be like, hmm, Motley Crue does this. So I'm going to help. <laughs> he was, so that must be the short O my, sound. That <laughs> was a guide for my pronunciation. <laughs> anyway, uh, Kurt Godel, a mathematician, a logician, mm-hmm. and a philosopher, mm-hmm. often compared to Aristotle. Was so afraid of being poisoned, mm-hmm. he would only eat food his wife cooked.
0: What, th- this is a guy that lived in the 70s? Yeah. And people compared him to Aristotle?
1: Uh huh. He was like supposedly a genius mathematician, but okay. he was quirky. So he was, for some reason, he was afraid he was going to be poisoned. So he'd only eat food his wife cooked.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: Okay. So his wife <laughs> had to be hospitalized for six months. Oh. Towards the end of 77. So he refused to eat, and he died of starvation in 1978. You're kidding. <laughs> On January 14th. He no died.
0: way. Yeah,
1: because his wife was in the hospital, and she couldn't cook.
0: So he killed himself at the end of it all. Well. And he was scared somebody was going to kill him. She killed him. She killed him. And then he killed himself at the she end. She
1: killed him by not getting off her ass in the hospital and cook for him. Oh, my no, God. I'm just but. You don't like. Why wouldn't he just learn to cook for himself? Like he's so smart, he can't cook for himself.
0: No, I know. Well, there's so many. Why can't he? Why can't you know? There's so many questions that come up. Well, of course, it
1: was 78. It's women's work.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Like what? You wouldn't eat your own food? Like you didn't trust himself to cook?
0: Well, not only that. I mean, he he ended up dying. If he was so scared of being poisoned, he was. He would, be di- he would die if he was poisoned, but he ended up dying because he wouldn't eat.
1: But he wouldn't eat because his wife wasn't cooking.
0: I mean, it's, it's just like, Why nuts. did she have to cook it? Like, why can't, yeah, why can't he? Was nuts. it
1: illegal for men to cook in the 70s, maybe? Probably.
0: Yeah, you're probably right.
1: Um,
0: that would explain it.
1: Well, he published his two incompleteness theorems in 1931 when he was 25 years old. Okay. one year after finishing his doctorate at the University of Vienna. The first incompleteness theorem states that for any self-consistent recursive axiomatic system powerful enough to describe the arithmetic of the natural numbers... Um, for example, piano arth- Arithmetic, This is awful. There are true propositions. No about no idea the nat- what you're saying. Naturals that cannot be proved from the axioms. Mm-hmm. To prove this theorem, he developed a technique now known as Gödel numbering, which codes formal expressions as natural numbers. You know.
0: We didn't need um, to know any. He also
1: showed that neither the axiom of choice nor the continuum hypothesis can be disproved from the accepted axioms of you know set theory, assuming these axioms are consistent. I know what
0: natural f- numbers are.
1: You do? The mm-hmm. former result opened the door for mathematicians to assume the axiom of choice in their proofs. You see, he also made uh, you're important this con- whole thing out. Luckily, I'm not just reading this, I'm just saying this off the top of my head. He also made important mm-hmm. contributions to proof theory by clarifying the connections between classical logic, intuitionistic logic, and modal logic.
0: I don't know why you're going. I was just
1: trying to clarify why he's famous for you. I don't
0: know why you're even bothering.
1: Is, is it maybe because I love you?
0: This is the worst podcast ever.
1: <laughs> it is? Yep. I'll cut that out. But then on, um, on January 14th,
0: yeah,
1: we got a new number one song, January 14th, 1978, a group called Player. Have you ever heard of them?
0: I've heard this song, but I didn't know who sang it.
1: Do you know what the song is called?
0: Uh, no. No. Baby Come Back. Oh yeah. I I couldn't place the chorus. It's a song Baby by Baby Come am, Back.
1: By American rock band player. It was released in late nineteen seventy seven as a lead single from their nineteen seventy-seven self-titled debut album. The song was their biggest hit single, hitting number one on the US Billboard Hot One Hundred and number ten on the R and B charts in nineteen seventy eight.
0: I just remember the Simpsons when Maggie was missing and Homer called Baby the Baby Come Back. And yeah. the police put him on hold <laughs> and this was the song. Come back. Yep. All right. You love it. Wait. Baby come back. There we go. There you, you go. Just hit it. Kind of this, is
1: 70s. Yeah, this is seventies.
0: Yes, it's so seventies. But this is not disco, though. No, that one's not. Baby, come, Baby come back. back. Yep. Yeah, that so that's cool. um,
1: that was the number one song, all the way until. February 13th,
0: 1978.
1: Okay. And then on Sunday, January 15th, Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. It was Super Bowl twelve. The cost of a Super Bowl ad was $162,000. didn't
0: the, even make me guess.
1: The Cowboys defeated the Broncos 27-10 to 10 to win their second Super Bowl. The game was played on January 15th, 1978 at the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans. This was the first time that the Super Bowl was played in a domed stadium. And the first time that the game was played in prime time in the eastern United States. Mm -hmm. Dallas's defense dominated the game, forcing eight turnovers. Okay. The national anthem was sung by...
0: Baby, come back.
1: Nope. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Not by baby, come back. It It was sung by, you know, here's a hint. Okay. She's from Northeast Louisiana University
0: that doesn't give me any hints
1: phyllis kelly
0: how how was i going (laughs) to guess (laughs) that
1: somebody i don't know i thought you were a big phyllis kelly fan
0: i mean what in the hell harvey
1: martin and randy white were both um the defensive. they were the mvps yeah and uh my family was huge dallas cowboy fans we actually even had an electric football game that had denver Broncos and Dallas Cowboys, and we all hated Denver Broncos. We we're like, Denver sucks. Dallas dominated Denver. Dallas is the best. We all love Dallas.
0: All right. I have something on that date as well. Oh,
1: on the same day as the Super Bowl?
0: Yes, but um, I'm going to give you a little a little info before we get to the date. You are? Yes. You're
1: going to give me some info. I'm going
0: to give you some info. So,
1: You're going to drop some knowledge on my ass?
0: Yes. During the spring and summer of 1974, yeah. police in the Pacific Northwest were in a panic.
1: Oh, poor police.
0: Women at colleges across Washington. Wait, let
1: me and guess. Uh, donuts and mustaches were outlawed.
0: <laughs> so they were nervous. And <laughs> they were sad. Women in, at colleges across Washington and Oregon were disappearing at a rate of about one a month. And police huh. had few leads as to who was behind it.
1: Women were disappearing?
0: Yes. In six months, six women had Aliens. been kidnapped, and several other women had reported attempts to lure them away from a crowded beach at Lake Sim- Sima- Sammamish mm, pre- yeah. yeah, I don't think I got that one. Sound
1: like you got it wrong. How about you spell it for us all, Bef- for the listeners?
0: Before two women, no. Janice Ann Ott and Denise Marie Naslin did, in fact, disappear from that location. Janice who? Aunt Janice Ann Ott.
1: O T T, didn't have with O T T, we All know right. uh, someone named Sarah. Ott.
0: Yes, we do. So the only description police had was that these women were approached by an attractive young man w- with an, his arm in a sling, who tried to draw them toward his brown Volkswagen Beetle. He hmm. identified himself as Ted.
1: Uh, his name was Ted, and he yes. had a brown Volkswagen Beetle. But he was great looking and with a arm in a sling. Yes. Um, y- you know,
0: I don't. I don't
1: recall ever seeing a brown Volkswagen Beetle. That doesn't seem like a popular color for those.
0: It doesn't. You're right.
1: However, when you say a good-looking guy in a sling, you know, know, a lot of people think, well, good-looking people can't be a serial killer. So, of course, they'll go with him or an alien.
0: So, after releasing this description, the police were contacted by four people identifying the same Seattle resident, Ted Bundy.
1: Ted Bundy? Yes. What? These. That's famous. In fact, it's actually timely. <laughs> yeah. Because on Netflix, there is a, a Ted Bundy special. A Ted Bundy special right now where I guess, I haven't watched it yet, but he apparently. Are you going to watch it? I think I might after this. It depends on how this episode goes. Yeah, I know. If you make this interesting to me, this is your chance to get okay. me to watch a murder show on Netflix All with right. you. Uh But apparently, from what I hear, mm-hmm. the people are mm-hmm. saying this is like him. Talking about the murders in his own—it's like interviews. With oh, yeah, him.
0: he had a big interview before his execution.
1: Oh, he was executed. Great, just well, the story well, for me.
0: I figured you uh, knew that. well I'm
1: out of beer. Should I check another beer? Is this gonna be a long yeah, story? Go, go, go on and on.
0: Go get one. While Joe is getting another beer, I just wanted to tell everybody how excited we are to be a part of the Queen City Podcast Network, sponsored by Ortho Carolina and Advent Co-working. Yeah.
1: So that New England IPA that I just finished with from Epic Brewing, it was called Drama Juice. It was pretty good. It wasn't as great as I expected. Somebody told me that it's a great place. Now I'm drinking a Founders Trigo. It's a hoppy wheat lager. I got it in Ohio when we were there, so I don't think we can get it here in North Cackalacka. Our dog still is nice and snuggled up. She's ready to hear a story about murders.
0: Okay. After sure. releasing the description, the police were contacted by four people identifying the same Seattle resident, oh. Ted Bundy.
1: Oh, I see. So when they, yeah, that's right. So the guy, with a beautiful guy with a broken arm.
0: Despite these warnings, the police dismissed Bundy as a suspect. Really? Thinking it unlikely that a clean-cut law student with no adult criminal record could be the perpetrator. Even
1: though he has a brown Volkswagen Beetle and he's got a broken arm, he's Gorgeous.
0: The, these types of judgments benefited Bundy numerous times throughout his murderous career. Which
1: you know that's the thing. Good looking people get away with everything.
0: He saw him kill at least thirty victims across at least seven states for the better part of the nineteen seventies.
1: Man, but you know, there's usually good looking people aren't murderers, right? Most of these, I mean, you're obsessed with murderers and killers. Most of them aren't great looking, right?
0: Yeah, I guess you're right.
1: I mean, most of them are pretty creepy looking so you just look at like god look at that guy he's a creepy murderer
0: i mean part of it though you know what they did like if you didn't know that was a murderer they they i don't think they'd all look as creepy as they do knowing that they're murderers but like, this
1: guy looks gorgeous like you're probably in love with him because the only thing i'm missing I mean, I'm great looking, but I don't have the murderer. You kind
0: of look like Ted Bundy a little bit. Oh, I do? (laughs) That's what you should tell people if you want to really compliment (laughs) them. Tell them
1: what murderer they look like? No,
0: just tell them they look like Ted Bundy. (laughs) You look like Ted Bundy. Man, you're a good-looking guy. You You look like Ted Bundy. You kind of look like Ted Bundy.
1: Yeah. I usually tell people they look like King Kong Bundy.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good compliment, too.
1: He's a pro wrestler. That was not attractive.
0: So, um... Ted Bundy was born in Vermont, across the country from the Pacific Northwest, where he would commit his first murders. Really? His mother was Eleanor Louise Cowell and his father was unknown.
1: Oh, there you go. That's it. That's the problem.
0: To avoid a scandal, he was raised by his grandmother and abusive grandfather as their as their child and believed his mother was his sister. Oh,
1: I see. To avoid scandal Who
0: was the other person have them be that
1: raised we, by a guy that's gonna beat the shit out of them.
0: Who are, who was the other person no that we talked there? about who had was, that happen? Yeah. Oh,
1: God. One of your murderers. No, I, there
0: was somebody that you, that you were talking about, because then I said Ted Bundy and Jack Nicholson both had that same thing happen.
1: You think somebody I know?
0: It was a celebrity.
1: That was raised by his... Or it was somebody you were talking
0: about. and Yeah. I can't I, remember now. Damn.
1: I think it was... Oh, I think we thought it was my grandmother. Remember, because my aunt is like 18 i talked to my grandma again at christmas my aunt was born when my grandmother was 18.
0: maybe that's what we were talking about or
1: 17 so so i thought what if maybe maybe my aunt is really my grandma's daughter and they just pretended right to save face for the family pretended that she was her sister
0: But that doesn't make any sense. But my grandma always
1: says, oh, I raised her. My mom didn't do anything. I basically raised her. Right. Anyway, that's fascinating. No, anyway. All
0: right. Um, (laughs) Nobody wants to know about that. Nope.
1: Um, I wonder, Aunt Kath, if you listen to my podcast, (laughs) call in and let us know if you think Betty is really your mom.
0: Okay. So his grandfather was a tyrannical bully and a bigot who hated blacks, Italians, Catholics, and Jews.
1: Jesus. Well, there you go. Done. Yep. That's why.
0: Bundy's grandfather beat his wife and the family dog and swung neighborhood cats by their tails. Oh,
1: you know what? You know what? I take that back. Swung neighborhood cats by their tails? What the fuck? You know, this is the problem. Why aren't people just stopping this kind of stuff? I like, know. You see somebody like that, just just everybody gang up and get rid of them. like Just throw just them. Do in something, because yeah, that's not... Yeah, because that's terrible. So I, I was going to say, like, of course he had no chance, because there you go. I mean, that was his dad, but my dad's dad mm-hmm. did the same kind of stuff
0: and you and dad... he never murdered anybody yeah that's true my
1: dad was great looking but he his dad shot his dog yeah in my front dad's of... dad shot his dog in front of him for jumping up on, on uh, guests
0: my god you know that's that's crazy. awful um
1: people in that era did stuff like that so um, there's more crazy unchecked crazy i don't know anyway So,
0: he sometimes spoke aloud to unseen presences as well. Ted or the The dad? The grandfather.
1: The grandfather?
0: Yeah, at least least once he flew into a violent rage when the question of Bundy's paternity was raised. Hmm. Bundy described his grandmother as a timid, obedient woman who periodically underwent electroconvulsive therapy for depression. Oh, that's not good either. And she feared to leave the house toward the end of her life. Bundy occasionally exhibited disturbing behavior even at that early age. Julia recalled awaking one day from a nap to find herself surrounded by knives from the cowl kitchen. Her three-year-old nephew was standing by the bed smiling. That was him? Yep. His grandfather would regularly beat him and his mother, causing her to run away with her son to live with cousins in Tacoma, Washington when Bundy was five years old.
1: Wait, who ran away?
0: His mother.
1: His actual mother?
0: Yeah, with him.
1: Oh, she took him. Yeah, but... To him away. Yeah, and but... And ran away to where?
0: To um, Tacoma, Washington.
1: That's how he we went across
0: the country. When he was five.
1: But the damage is already done. She getting beat up. There,
0: the, when she was there, she met and married hospital cook Johnny Bundy, who formally adopted the young Ted Bundy to give him oh, his last name. Oh,
1: that's where he got the name. Johnny Bundy, a hospital cook. Everybody loves hospital cooks. Yep. Hospital food's delicious. I don't know if you ever eaten in a hospital...
0: But, is, man, that food tasty. is so good. It is. I
1: only eat at hospitals.
0: I guess for seconds.
1: Me too. I, I f-
0: Sometimes we, take, we do takeout at, ho- at the hospital. Yeah, I only Call eat at the Call them up hospitals. and say, yeah. we're getting to pick up some food tonight.
1: I, I look over hospital rosters to try to find somebody I know and visit them just you so I can their food. eat. I'm going to just eat real quick, and then I'll be right back up to see you. So hospital food.
0: Bun- Bundy disliked his stepfather and would describe him to a later girlfriend, disparagingly saying he wasn't very bright and didn't make much money.
1: Oh, poor guy.
0: Bundy had different recollections of Tacoma when he spoke to his biographers. When he talked to uh, two of them, he described how he roamed his neighborhood picking through trash barrels in search of pictures of naked women. Well, when as he, you do. And then when he spoke to Polly Nelson, another um, one of them, he Polly explained Nelson. how he perused detective magazines, crime novels, and true crime documentaries for stories that involve sexual violence, particularly when the stories were illustrated with pictures of dead or maimed bodies. Huh. Little else is known for sure about the remainder of Bundy's childhood, because he gave conflicting accounts of his early years to different biographers, but the picture that can be gleaned is one of an ordinary life with a current of dark fantasies flowing underneath it.
1: Well, you know, I... R- recall as a kid i mm-hmm. found my mom's book uh women our bodies ourselves oh boy it's a famous book right? yeah that was awesome for me i like bet. that really i loved all there was a lot of boobs and vaginas in there
0: yeah i'm sure
1: it was that was my favorite book well, i'm <laughs> sure was there was mom's. close-ups of it oh there's all kinds of vagina and boob pictures it was great i love that book that i'm sure best. you
0: did <laughs> why are that we was, talking about it
1: well because you know he was looking for pictures yeah. of well, dead people's bodies or murder or mm-hmm. violence—I was just looking. You know, when you're a kid, you want to see some naked ladies, and All right. man, our bodies ourselves—that's a great book.
0: <laughs> Though he described himself as a loner who would stalk the seedy streets at night, looking to spy on women. Many people who remember Bundy from high school describe him as reasonably well known and well liked. Yeah,
1: everybody liked that guy.
0: Ted Bundy Good graduated looking. high school in 1965, after okay. which he enrolled in the nearby University of P- Puget Sound. Before transferring to the University of Washington to study Chinese.
1: I always wondered how to say Puget Sound.
0: I think that's right. Probably. I think that's how it is. He dropped out briefly in 1968, but quickly re enrolled as a psychology major. Oh, well, that makes sense. During his time out of school, he visited the East Coast, where he likely first learned that the woman he believed to be his sister was actually his mother. Oh, that's
1: what he thought as her mom. You know, they say. Um, Eighty eighty five to ninety percent of psychology students are insane people trying to figure out what's wrong with themselves. It
0: makes sense. I would believe that. Yeah. Then back at um, UW, Bundy started dating Elizabeth Klopfer.
1: You know, that I don't know if that statistic is right. I better don't quote me on that. What? I didn't research that. The eighty five to ninety percent. Of all psychology students um, are insane. Yeah,
0: I, d- I wouldn't quote you on anything. Pretty, very, <laughs> really. I didn't
1: do any research on that, that stat. Uh, I just yeah. kind of. I don't think it's ever a good idea to quote felt, you. <laughs> I just kind of felt that stat One out. One
0: way or the other, you're going to get in trouble if you're criti- somebody's going to quote you.
1: What, wait a minute now. Now I'm starting to feel insulted.
0: All right, so. Back at the college, he started dating Elizabeth Klopfer. Right
1: Right after he found out who his mom was.
0: Yes, and she was a divorcee from Utah who worked as a secretary at the School of Medicine on campus.
1: Okay, that's not a bad get.
0: Later, Klopfer was one of four people who would report Bundy to police as a suspect in the Pacific Northwest murders.
1: Oh, I guess it was kind of a bad get. Also, in, brother.
0: also among those four people was former Seattle police officer Ann Rule, who met Bundy at around the same time while they were both working at Seattle's Suicide Hotline Crisis Center. He worked there? Yes.
1: So he was helping people? Yeah. Now if a serial killer is working in a suicide hotline, does he just like answer the phone I'm like I want to kill myself? Yeah, do it.
0: Do it. Do, do it. it. Yeah, really. It. I'll help you. Well, and Ann Rule would later write, like, this book called The Stranger Beside Me, and it's, like, in true crime, it's one of, like, the biggest books. Oh, really? Because she wrote about dating? Famous, yeah, she dated the guy, right? No, she was just really good friends with him. Oh, I thought you said she was dating him. No, oh. she worked alongside of him. Worked alongside, dated. And you got to get the potatoes out of your ears. And well, she, but uh, she wrote this really book. Just, so I'm just,
1: like, half listening. Then in
0: 1973. <laughs> I'm listening for jokes. I know you are. Sorry. In, in 1973, Bundy was accepted into the University of Puget Sound Ma- Law School. Wait,
1: wait, you didn't finish her book. You said she was real. F- her she's real well known for her book.
0: Yes, it, her book is real popular. And, and you read it? I didn't read. No, I haven't read it. She she. Um, you haven't
1: read it. You haven't done the math. No, sorry. She. I assumed you would love that book.
0: Well, it's not. I can't get it from the library, and you got to pay for it from Amazon, and I just don't feel like paying for it.
1: But would you, would it be like a good gift that a, a lover could get
0: you? <laughs> we could talk about this at another time, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so anyway. Right. I'm interested
1: in the book, or I'm interested in the Cliff's Notes. In
0: 1973, okay. Bundy was accepted into the University of Puget Sound's law school. Congratulations, Ted. But after a few months, he has stopped tending, attending classes.
1: Wait, law school? That's a pretty big deal. I know. Wow, a smart guy and good looking. Yep.
0: And it was Just a hope he doesn't murder anybody. It was a run. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to see what happens. It was around that time that the first disappearances began. Oh,
1: boy. Here it goes. Ted
0: Bundy's, for Ted Bundy's first known attack in January 4, 1974, yeah. was not an actual murder, but instead an assault on an 18-year-old Karen Sparks, a student and dancer at the University of Washington. That's
1: assault, brother.
0: So he broke into her apartment and bludgeoned her unconscious with a metal rod from her bed frame before sexually assaulting her with the same object.
1: That's disgusting.
0: His assault left her in a 10-day coma. At and least use a different dis- Object. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The whole thing. Why would you bludgeon somebody? And then, yeah. This is. I don't like. See, I don't. I'm not a fan of sexual assault. No. <laughs> I don't really care and,
0: for Yeah. It. Ted Bundy's next victim and his first confirmed murder was Linda Ann Healy. Wait, and he I, didn't murder that no. first lady? No. No, she, she had permanent disabilities, but oh, she, she did live.
1: But she didn't call him out because her she was so brain damaged or something. Yeah. She couldn't, she couldn't, say couldn't remember who it was. the. She couldn't remember the. Oh my god.
0: Attack. Oh god. Whoa. So, um, Linda Ann Healy was the first confirmed murder.
1: Linda Ann Healy. What, who's she? You me um, about her yet? No.
0: He Bundy broke... In fe- it was on, on February beer. 1st. Um, Bundy broke into Healy's apartment in the early morning. Of what year? Of 1974.
1: Oh, we're still in yeah. 74. So, you didn't give me these dates to give you what... TV I, know. Were we're missing, it's, it's, I can't tell you what television right. show was on. So I have no idea. Knocked her un- he, so he, I'll splice it in later.
0: He, oh God. <laughs> so he broke into her apartment, beat her, knocked her unconscious, then clothed her body and carried her out to the car. She was never seen again, but part of her skull was discovered years later at one of the locations where Bundy dumped his bodies.
1: Uh, so he had like prime locations where they found mm-hmm. all these people later.
0: Yes. Afterward, Bundy continued targeting female students in the area. His common tactic was to pick up young student hitchhikers or to approach the women while wearing a cast and ask them to help him put something in his car. Did you ever d- watch Silence of the Lambs?
1: Uh, You made me watch it years ago, and I...
0: There's a part in that that they, that they get from him. That's scary.
1: That doesn't happen around here much.
0: How come we can hear it on the headphones?
1: Because our microphones are on.
0: Oh. Um,
1: <laughs> here's, <laughs> here's how the microphones work. <laughs> Stop. Uh.
0: <laughs> I just, it's weird. All of well, turn off your
1: microphone, you won't hear it.
0: Well, I don't hear it anymore anyway. Wait, hold on, so, okay, I'm
1: sorry. You know, here's the thing. Here's a good looking guy who's also smart enough to get into law school. Bro, you got it made. He's a white guy, right? Yep. I assume. Yeah. You're a fucking white male who's smart and great looking. Mm-hmm. Like you got your whole life is just fine, right? All you got to do is not murder anybody.
0: That's all you got to do. That's all you all got to do. do. And he fucked it up.
1: And he murdered everyone.
0: Yeah, he murdered everyone. I black people must be like, what the fuck is
1: wrong with murder- these people? Because the serial
0: killers are because they have everything. They're usually you. white guys.
1: Yeah, they're and they have everything. Like, yeah. Well, maybe not all. But this guy particularly was great looking yeah. and smart. Yep. Like you can coast if you're good looking. Smart guy?
0: Yeah. Well, and then he's a sociopath, which a lot of really I mean, successful I guess his grandfather be the shit A out. lot of really successful, good looking smart people are sociopaths and they and they don't ever kill anybody. They just are millionaires.
1: Yeah. So you'd have to be to be a millionaire. CEOs. I think. I think to be a millionaire and not just spend it on you know he man figures. <laughs> you have right. to be So
0: you know. he broke into Healy's apartment. Um, okay. All Jane right. I already did that. Then afterward, he continued targeting. Okay, I already said that.
1: But, um, Sorry, I, I get it. I get us off track sometimes.
0: Okay, so he would I'm he rigging. would um, approach women with a cast on and ask yeah. them to help him put something in his car. Mm-hmm. That's a smart. Tactic. Then he would bludgeon them unconscious <sighs> before binding, raping, and killing them, and finally dumping their bodies in a remote location in the woods. You know,
1: it's all bad, but I think the raping Wait, part well, bothers me the most.
0: Buckle up. Bundy oh. would then often revisit these sites to have sex with their decaying corpses. Like, what is the in some what is the what is the,
1: <laughs> what is the attraction there? Like,
0: why would you? In some cases, Bundy would decapitate his victims and keep their skulls in his apartment, often sleeping with them.
1: Uh, wow. She. Uh, god. What?
0: <laughs> I think he's worse than Jeffrey
1: Dahmer. Wait a minute. He's sleeping with their heads. Remember that couple that was sleeping with yes. their head and yeah. like, the <laughs> put lady put the makeup shower. makeup on it and then yeah. he'd fuck it in the shower? Yeah. <laughs> I bet he'd be good friends with Ted Bundy. I think so. Oh, my gosh. Um,
0: this is gross. Why do people like this? I don't get it. I don't get women who That's why I was crime. shocked when you said you watched that show with oh, me. Oh,
1: maybe not. I might have changed my mind just on that. I like. I want to barf. Like, I want to ul- vomit right now.
0: He said, quote, the ultimate possession was, in fact, the taking of the life and then the physical possession of the remains.
1: It was eternal. He like,
0: also said, oh. murder is not just a crime of lust or violence. It becomes possession. They are part of you. The victim becomes a part of you, and you two are forever one. And the grounds where you kill them or leave them become sacred to you, and you will always be drawn back to them.
1: I'm going to pull a rookie cop and just (laughs) barf all over the place. I mean, maybe it's the four beers I had, but... Jeez. And the wings, the East Coast wings.
0: It could be. Over the next five months, Bundy abducted and murdered five female college students in the Pacific Northwest. Donna Gail Manson, Susan, Susan Elaine Rancourt, Roberta Kathleen Parks, Brenda Carroll Ball, and Georgianne Hawkins. Years later, Bundy described his post-mortem rituals with the corpses including hair shampooing and application of makeup.
1: Jesus Christ. I don't know. It's just it's just not it's just not what not people what people should do. No, it's not what people it's just, should do. It's just not we, we've always to, said that. Yeah, that's always We've you know, always said that. I tell my kids all the time, just whatever you do, don't murder someone mm-hmm. and then put shampoo on their bodies and then rape them for that's, days.
0: That's the moral of our whole podcast.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Oh, that's what I tell the kids every morning before school. Yep. Have a good day. You have your lunch. Okay. Don't uh, murder anybody and then put shampoo on their bodies and rape them for days.
0: So as the manhunt for the abductor continued, more and more witness descriptions pointing to Ted Bundy arose. But as some of his bodies were being discovered in the woods, Bundy was accepted at law school in Utah and, like, and moved to Salt hey, Lake City.
1: It's that great-looking guy with the broken arm and the brown Volkswagen. It's that guy. It's like, no, it can't be him. That guy's great-looking. No, that's what, that's what we're saying. It's the great-looking guy. No, it can't be him. He's great-looking.
0: So That's he, what we're saying. And so, then he moved to Utah. So then he moves to Utah. And there, there he continues to rape and murder young women, including a hitchhiker in Idaho and four teenage girls in Utah. I'm
1: surprised he wouldn't just start all over and just not do it anymore.
0: Well, he kind of, he kind of tried a couple times so just to just like, stop. okay, now
1: I'm going to stop. Oh, yeah, no way, like was there that? was
0: one where he he gra- he grabbed a girl and he um, he he thought he was just going to rape her and let her go, uh-huh. but he accidentally strangled her to death. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> this is what he said.
1: That's kind of how I am with Twinkies. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stop eating Twinkies. Yeah, and then I just. Then you it, and rape then I and just, strangle like, a Twinkie? No, like sometimes I think I'm just going to sniff it and I'm not going to eat it. And then I'm like, I eat it instead. I hope oh, I accidentally ate that another Twinkie. Oh, I accidentally ate my seventh Twinkie. Yeah. So Twinkies are delicious.
0: So learning of these murders, as well as Bundy's relocation to the area in question, Klepfer, his, that girl that um, he he was, he had,
1: yeah, I remember her. She was. She called
0: the police a second time to reaffirm her suspicion that Bundy was behind the murders. She
1: was. She was someone he dated. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And in, the whole Not time, the, who the, the whole book. time she's calling the police, they're still dating.
1: Was oh, she still dating? Him? Yeah,
0: she's still dating him the whole time. She's
1: dating him and calling yeah. the police to think this, she's he's the murderer. Yeah,
0: she calls the police like three times. Why is she still dating him? I don't know. I he this he had girlfriends like several girlfriends throughout well, good, the whole thing i mean
1: well good looks they really trump that don't they yeah like imagine if you were dating say someone you think is super hot precisely so
0: the second warning did not directly lead to bundy's arrest when investigators compiled data related to the northwestern killings bundy's name came up as one of the prime suspects wait
1: a minute if she's still dating him it's a long distance relationship now or did she move to utah with him that oh didn't do the research.
0: I can't, that it got confusing. Oh. so um, nevertheless, maybe Bundy continued his Netflix special. K- maybe Bundy continued his killings, journeying to Colorado from his home in Utah to kill more than more young women there. Finally, in August 1975, Bundy was pulled over while driving through a Salt Lake City suburb. Oh,
1: the same time that um, Archie Bunker, uh, <laughs> Meat just up. <laughs> um. Meathead, uh, was lining uh, up his turds on the shelf.
0: All right. And police discovered masks, handcuffs, and blunt objects in the car. Oh. While this was not enough to arrest him, a police officer, realizing that Bundy was also a sp- suspect in the earlier killings, put him under surveillance. Bundy and later... Finally. Bundy later said their searchers missed a collection of Polaroid photographs of his victims. He had destroyed the photographs after he was released. Those jackasses. So Salt Lake City police placed Bundy on 24-hour surveillance, and police flew to Seattle to interview Klepfer. Sheetle. She told them that in the year prior—so she is in Seattle. She told Sheetle. them that in the year prior to Bundy's move to oh, Utah— Oh, so it is long distance. That yeah. answered my long distance relationship. That's what pressure. I just was saying. Sorry,
1: go ahead. She Ciel. told stop. Sorry. She Sorry,
0: told them that in the year prior to Bundy's move to Utah, she had discovered objects that she couldn't understand in her house and in Bundy's apartment. These like items what? included crutches, a yeah. bag of plaster of Paris that he admitted stealing from a medical supply house, and a meat cleaver that was never used for cooking. Uh-huh. Additional objects included surgical gloves, an oriental knife in a wooden case that he kept in his glove compartment, and a sack full of women's clothing. <laughs> 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 like that wouldn't. <laughs> I know.
1: I don't know. Kind of suspicious. I'm yep. going to keep dating him. Yep. I'm going to call the police a few times and say, I think he's a murderer. <laughs> but if not, I'm well, really enjoying his She looks.
0: would sometimes also awaken in the middle of the night to find him under the bed covers with a flashlight examining her body. <laughs> 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 I
1: don't think it's enough to break up with him, though. Yeah. But if I'm wrong, yeah, I might be fine
0: so what the, the uh, he sells his beetle that he's been driving around town with about time and the office and the officers find what?
1: it I would say whoever bought that is like
0: go. yeah and the police find find the beetle they track it down then they discover hair matching three of his victims is in the beetle oh boy so with that evidence they put him in a lineup where he was identified by one of the women who had he had attempted to abduct
1: oh boy
0: He was convinced. It's a
1: great-looking guy with a broken arm.
0: Well, and this one girl, he got her in the, he pulled her into the car. Yeah. And he tried to snap the handcuffs on her wrist, but somehow in the struggle, he snapped both handcuffs on the same wrist, and she opened the car door and got out and got away. And can you imagine? Both the handcuffs on? Yeah. But can you imagine being that person and, like, realizing that you got away from Ted Bundy?
1: That person, do we know who that is?
0: I I don't know. She it, should write a book. No, she, yeah. If
1: I was her, I'd be writing that book right now, right here. I'd so, be making some money.
0: He, um, so the officers, they found, okay, they put him in a line. He was convicted of kidnapping and assault and sent to prison while police attempted to build further murder cases against him. However, this was not the end of Ted Bundy's murders. What? He was soon able to, for the first of two times in his life, escape from custody. Are you fucking kidding me? In the first instance, in 1977, he escaped from the law library at the courthouse in Aspen, Colorado. So he he was his. We guess he serving, jumped out a window. He was serving as his own lawyer. Okay. And you don't have to wear handcuffs or shackles if you're if you're um, serving, serving as, as, as your, your own, own lawyer. And, just and so their own he lawyers. he said he had been in the library. To study a case, and there was a, a window, and he jumped down two stories and sprained his ankle. Yeah, and that's worth got it away. To get away. Yep.
1: Where'd he go um, now?
0: He was soon recaptured nearby after six days of being on the run.
1: Holy crap! Can you imagine those six days? Yeah. Shit, Ted Bundy somewhere.
0: Oh yeah, he ran up into the mountains and he broke into a cabin and stole a bunch of shit, oh, and then he, he you he know. He didn't kill anybody though. He didn't kill anybody a, on that. Not during that time. His next escape would have far worse consequences, though. All right. Six months after his first escape, he escaped again, this time via a crawl space in the ceiling he created with a saw. So he created a like a one-foot um, ceiling, s- hole in the ceiling. Right. And Where? L- at the jail? At the jail. And he had, he lost 35 pounds so he could fit into it and he did all these practice things where at night he would crawl around in the ceiling and some of the other inmates told the guards that they heard something in the ceiling and the guards just totally dismissed it yeah and so he finally that's how he got out
1: Uh, you know i'm not surprised you know judging my information on guards from uh the WWF's big boss man uh he was a prison guard wrestler and oh, uh you know, he, I can see how they would just ignore him because Big Boss man, you know, he wouldn't really listen to a prisoner that much. He'd be all too right. busy. So, he, about so he escapes time. again
0: and he goes down to Florida. So
1: you want me to talk about Big Boss Man? I don't want to hear Akeem about any more about Big Dream? Boss Man. <laughs> okay.
0: So he goes to Florida. Okay. And there on January fifteenth, nineteen seventy eight, two weeks after his escape.
1: Oh wait, the same night as All in the Family was on, and it was a special Super Bowl episode where Archie's place is robbed. Okay. That same night?
0: Yes, that same night.
1: The same night as the Super Bowl.
0: Yes, the this was was the same night as the Super Bowl. Yeah. So he broke into a Chi Omega sorority house on the Florida State University campus.
1: Oh, Florida State, y'all.
0: Within the span of just 15 minutes, he sexually assaulted and killed Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy, and assaulted Kathy Kleiner and Karen Chandler, who both suffered horrific injuries on
1: the campus of Florida State University.
0: Still on the run on February 8th, Bundy abducted 12-year-old Kimberly Diane Leach from her the middle school and old her. 12-year-old from middle
1: school. Florida State University is the uh, is the home as the uh, school that um, former WCW champion Ron Simmons went to.
0: But he did that all that in. He killed all those people. 15 minutes. And like wait. He, one was like a log. He used like a log wait, wait, and wait. beat them with logs. 15 minutes. You can't kill that many minutes. people in 15 minutes. Yeah, he bludgeoned them all in 15 minutes.
1: Where were they? All just asleep?
0: Yeah, they were asleep.
1: Oh. Yep. He broke into a dorm. They were in dorm rooms. They were in a sorority a, house. Oh, a sorority house. Why was a 12-year-old there? No, well, that was like in that,
0: f- that was a week later.
1: Oh, that was a week later. G- ugh. God.
0: Yeah. So, um, then after a week goes by, he ca- right. he was caught by police who found physical evidence linking him he to the He killed that twelve-year-old too. Yeah. <sighs> Awful. So they catch him in a stolen car, um, and they in in, in Florida. And yeah, and the guy, the trooper didn't realize at first that who he had. Yeah. But when he ca- when he arrested him, he said, "I wish you'd just killed me." That was what Bundy had said Ted to Bundy him. Did Bundy said that to him? Yeah. And then he didn't realize until he got, that got him down there who he had.
1: He's like, oh, man, don't be so hard on yourself. It's just grand larceny. It's not going to be anything more than that. Oh, yeah. oh, oh
0: shit, into Bundy. <laughs> yep. Throughout his ensuing trial, Bundy sabotaged himself by ignoring the advice of his lawyers and taking charge of his own defense. Yeah. Even those associated with the defense would later reveal their true thoughts about Bundy. I would describe him as being as close to being like the devil as anyone I ever met, said defes- defense investigator Joseph Alloy. He was ultimately convicted and placed on death row at Florida's Rayford Prison, where he suffered abuse from other prisoners, well deserved, including a gang rape by four men. Some sources say, oh, and also four
1: dudes raped him.
0: Yep, and also conceived a child with Carol Ann Boone, who he'd married while his trial was happening. Oh, one of those ladies he married her. He asked her to marry him. In she was on the stand in the trial. Yeah, and he was the defense lawyer. He asked her to marry him, and there's some law in Florida that says that if you do that in a courtroom during a trial, then you're <laughs> automatically married. <laughs>
1: she was a witness.
0: <laughs> she was a witness, a character witness for him.
1: Oh, saying he's a great guy. He's good. look at him. He's good looking. He's got a broken arm.
0: And so yeah, she he she married, and they had a child too. So there's he has a child Conjugal somewhere. Visit? Conjugal visits? Ted Bundy has a child somewhere in this world.
1: Oh, was it King Kong Bundy?
0: Bundy was finally executed by electric chair on January 24th, 1989.
1: Oh, he was?
0: Hundreds of people gathered outside the courthouse to celebrate his death.
1: Well, he's still alive.
0: For everything that he did to the girls, the bludgeoning, the strangulation, humiliating their bodies, torturing them, I feel that the electric chair is too good for him, said Eleanor Rose, the mother of victim Denise. Yeah, that dude
1: should die from, like nut punches, like just punch him in the balls until he's dead.
0: Though he confessed to many of his murders before his death, the complete victim count remains unknown. Meanwhile, Bundy denied certain killings despite physical evidence tying him to the crimes. Ultimately, all of this has led to the victim count ranging between 30 and 40. However mm. many people he did kill, Ted Bundy remains one of the most infamous and terrifying serial killers in American history to this day, and perhaps the very definition of heartless evil.
1: Yeah, man. Well, at least he got gang-raped in prison. We can all take solace in that fact.
0: And that's the story of Ted Bundy.
1: That was really interesting. Um, I might be willing to watch a little bit of his interviews on he, Netflix if that's still something yeah. you're interested in. I don't know.
0: You know, um, I would. Yeah, I. I just don't.
1: I don't like rape and murder. Just not a fan. It's
0: just it's the closest thing to a monster that is real. Yeah, but why do you want that? We I don't not want, want it. Want I don't want it. It's it's there whether I want it or not. It's a matter of just being fascinated by the fact that it's there, that it exists. Of course, I'd rather them not a hap- it be a, a thing, but it's not within my power.
1: But if it didn't exist, would you be like, oh, this sucks. Life no, sucks. no. Nobody raping and murdering anybody. Boring. No. Well, I think it would. What? I don't know. I just don't like it. Just <laughs> Okay. Did you know that uh, singer-guitarist from Chicago, Terry Kath, loved guns? No. He did.
0: By
1: 1978, Kath was regularly carrying guns around and enjoyed shooting them. Around 5 p.m. on January 23rd, 1978, after a party at the home of roadie and band technician Don Johnson at Woodland Hills.
0: Don Johnson really went places after yeah, Don, a roadie yeah, He was a roadie and a
1: band technician, Don Johnson, roadie for Chicago. In Woodland Hills, L.A., Kath began to play with his guns. He spun his thirty-eight. This does not go well. He spun his thirty-eight revolver on his finger, yeah. put, it, put it to his temple, and pulled the trigger. Oh, the, my God. But the gun wasn't loaded. Johnson warned Kath several times to be careful. Kath then picked up a semi automatic 9mm pistol.
0: What is wrong with it? And
1: leaning back in a chair, said to Johnson, Don't worry about it. Look, the clip is not even in it. To calm Johnson, Kath showed Johnson the empty magazine. Kath then replaced the magazine in the gun, put the gun to his temple, and pulled the trigger. What? Apparently, unbeknownst to Kath, the semi automatic had a round in the chamber.
0: Wait a minute, you said he put the magazine in the gun.
1: It was an empty magazine. Oh. Yeah. He showed him the empty magazine, and then he clipped it in there and put it to, and clicked it back in, and then did it. And those were his last words, because apparently, unbeknownst to Kath, the semi-automatic had a round in the chamber. He died instantly from the gunshot, eight eight days shy of his 32nd birthday.
0: What an idiot.
1: He left a widow and a two-year-old daughter.
0: That's a shame.
1: After his death, his widow married and later divorced actor Kiefer Sutherland.
0: What a senseless death!
1: Yep, the group's members were devastated over losing him and strongly considered disbanding, but they were persuaded by Doc Severinsen. I just
0: don't get guns. I don't get them, and not only that. Fine, you have a gun, but to sit sit around and play with it and put it oh, that's not loaded. So why are you? Why would you put it to your temple and pull the trigger? Now, what an idiot! What a fucking idiot.
1: I would argue.
0: That's such a shame.
1: I would argue it's the same. And kid grows up
0: without a dad. It's
1: the same type of thrill as liking murders.
0: What? <laughs> no,
1: it's, it's. the same thing. No. It's, like, oh, it's not like, the oh, same murders, thing. Murders are out there. Oh, I'm getting the thrill of it. Oh, I'm watching about murders. the same thing. It's like, oh, I know, not, I know nothing's no, in this. No, it's but not look, the same thing at all. It could kill all. me. It could kill me, but it's not going to.
0: But this liking these stories isn't going to kill anybody.
1: You never know. What if there's a bullet in the chamber?
0: You're such a fucking weirdo. I don't. Know, it
1: just seems the same to me. The group's member. But this, this, you're irrational. You're an
0: irrational human being. <laughs> what? You are a very I, irrational. I, I've never heard
1: anybody say that about well, me.
0: Well, you haven't been listening because it's a well-known, established but fact. I'm about to tell
1: you who saved the man Chicago.
0: All right, tell me. We
1: would never know Peter Saturist
0: Stay the
1: Night if it wasn't for. The hero. The group's members were devastated over losing Kath, and they strongly considered disbanding, but they were persuaded by Doc Severinsen, musical director of The Tonight Show band. They should continue.
0: Oh. Doc
1: Severinsen was like, yo, keep going.
0: Wasn't he an older guy?
1: Yep. He oh. looked like my stepdad. Yeah. And then on Wednesday, January twenty fifth, 1978, it was the Super Bowl of Wrestling. It was held at the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida, drawing over 12,000 fans oh, for Jesus. a unification match.
0: I bet that smelled good, that <laughs> crowd. <laughs> hey, what do you say about <laughs> wrestling fans?
1: Between the, there was a unification match between the WWF and the NWA World Championships. Jesus. Gorilla months, and during that, it was the WWF World Champion Superstar Billy Graham versus NWA World Champion Harley Race. It ended in a 60-minute time limit draw during a three-fall match. Gorilla Monsoon and Don Curtis were the special referees, which saw Graham defeat Race via submission in the first fall. Race won the second fall at the 46-minute mark with his trademark suplex. In the third fall, was a bloody battle with Race having a superstar in a sleeper hold in the last minute. Superstar was on his back, shoulders down with ref Don Curtis counting to one when the 60-minute time limit limit expired. Boring. It was a draw. Some other wrestlers that were on the card. Rocky Johnson defeated killer Carl Cox. Ivan Putski wrestled. Listen to this. Joyce Grable won an eight women an eight woman battle royal. So there was a woman battle royal. Joyce Grable won. That
0: doesn't make me interested in it.
1: It's a ladies fighting back then in nineteen seventy eight.
0: I think I remember seeing ladies fighting and 19- wrestling.
1: Chavo Guerrero defeated Tank Patton. Bobby Duncombe defeated Don. Serrano. All right,
0: move on. do care about any of this? No, the move Bris- on. Jack and
1: Jerry Briscoe. Dusty Rhodes defeated Ken Patera. It was wrestling. I just found wrestling in 1970s.
0: God, kill me. You know Can't what? wait for the 60s, so you can shut up about wrestling. Oh,
1: I will find something related to wrestling.
0: Jeez. Whether
1: it's if I have to find Greg the Hammer Valentine's great grandfather and great grandfather, if I have to do Greg the Hammer Valentine's ancestry dot com, just to Jeez. just to work in wrestling, no, I we're won't not do doing that. It. We're not. And Greg the Hammer Valentine's Please, great great no. great grandfather, nineteen ten. Greg the Hammer Valentine is the greatest human that's ever lived. Saturday, February
0: fourth, nineteen. <laughs> 19- oh wait, uh, yeah, song.
1: Maybe. Saturday.
0: Oh. February
1: 4th, 1978, the Bee Gees take over the number one song with the CPR song.
0: "Staying Alive.
1: You know why it's called the CPR song? You know why it's called the CPR song? This isn't karaoke.
0: Sorry. I can't help it. It's so good.
1: It's not that good.
0: I don't know why it's called the CPR song. Oh yeah, I do.
1: Everybody loves They're the song. You're supposed to do the yeah. "Staying
0: Alive" thing when you're hit yeah, push, when pushing you're on the on chest. Pushing on the chest.
1: Uh, uh Yeah. Uh uh. Staying alive. That's right. That's how that's how you know when, how to do the pushes. But um, the subject matter of "Staying Alive" is actually quite a serious one. It's about survival in the streets of New York, and the the lyrics actually say say that. Barry Gibb also recalls people crying out for help, desperate songs. Those are the ones that become giants. The minute you capture that on record, it's gold. Staying alive is the epitome of that. Everybody struggles against the world, fighting all the bullshit and things that can drag you down. And it, it really is a victory just to survive. So when you climb back up on top and win bigger than ever before, well, that's something everybody reacts to. Everybody. Oh, We'd my also God. We'd also written a song called Saturday Night, Maurice explains, but there were so many songs called Saturday Night, even one by Bay City Rollers. so when we rewrote it, it for the movie, we called it "Staying Alive.
0: I see. All it right.
1: was called Saturday Night originally, and then the Gibbs brothers, right after he said that quote, they all started kissing each other.
0: You still think they're incestuous?
1: Yeah, I like that. That makes it better. You, okay. Um yeah, so that's a real serious song, and mm-hmm. the Gibbs are the best. I'm sick of the Gibbs already. <laughs> and then on Wednesday, February fifteenth, 1978, mm-hmm. one of the nominees for Best Picture came out. Okay. Uh, I don't know
0: if we didn't watch these.
1: Oh, yeah, we didn't. Do you know this movie called Coming Home? No. A woman whose husband is fighting in Vietnam falls in love with another man who suffered a paralyzing combat injury there. Starring Jane Fonda, John Voight, and Bruce Dern.
0: Uh, it sounds bad.
1: One of the first films, even partially dealing openly—wait. One of the first films, partially dealing openly with the idea of sex between an able-bodied person and a disabled one. Oh. John Voight's role of Luke Martin was loosely inspired by paralyzed Vietnam veteran Ron Kovic.
0: Okay, the same one who was in Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. I I don't remember ever hearing about that movie. Do you? No. Yeah. Anyway, that came out, and that was a nominee for Best Picture. It did not win, however. Okay. And then on Thursday, February 16th, a study titled Where Are They Now? Mm -hmm. in 1978 followed up on 515 people who were prevented from attempting suicide using the Golden Gate Bridge from 1937 to 1971.
0: What is this now?
1: So the Golden Gate Bridge is the the largest
0: mm-hmm. suicide yeah place. Okay, I've in heard in the that, whole I world, think, like yeah. that's
1: where most people kill themselves. A study titled "Where Are They Now" in 1978 followed up on 515 people who were prevented from attempting suicide. Like people stopped. Yeah. Them. Uh, between 1937 and 71, so they want to follow up with those people and mm-hmm. see, so like, are they glad they didn't, or did yeah. they die later, or did they commit suicide later? 90% were either alive mm-hmm. or had died of natural causes, including oh. that suicidal behavior is crisis oriented rather than inex- inexorable. Okay. Yeah, so I think you yeah. were thinking like are they just going to kill themselves a week later or is it but yeah. no, they 90% were like oh gosh, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah. That's kind of a cool thing.
0: I would think that would be true that most most people would be in a better frame of mind l- at, at a later time. I'm
1: glad that that's true because yeah. part of me thinks like, it, is it all just supposed to happen? Like, oh uh, yeah, you prevented that suicide, but a week later they just kill themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm i kind of surprised by that stat. And then Wednesday, February 22nd, 1978, mm-hmm. the Navstar Global Positioning System GPS Uh-oh. was launched. Oh okay. So that system that everybody uses now—I thought to it was going to be an alien story. No, they launched it. Uh-huh. President Clinton granted non-military users access to the unscrambled GPS signal in 2000.
0: Which means that everybody could use GPS. Yeah, that's when everybody started using it in
1: 2000. But it was launched in 1978. Oh wow! So like
0: military people probably used it for. Yeah, a long they time. probably used it forever, mm-hmm. where
1: everything was. I. You know, now I that mean that's
0: crazy because we use it for everything now. Yeah, your phone is constantly tracking where you are, and I
1: know it's scary. It now. is scary. I walk in any, every time I leave. It's like, someplace. how does
0: anybody get away with a murder? Like nowadays? just today, when
1: I left East Coast Wings, it was like, "How was East Coast?" My phone asked me, "How was East Coast Wings?" It's Help creepy. other people. I was like, "Fuck other people." How do you know I was it East Coast Wings? Yep, I love wings. I got a haircut today. They're like, hey, how was Great Clips? I was like, fuck you. Did it really? It's my business how Great Clips was. That's right. Jeanette did a great job cutting my hair, and that's none of your business.
0: All right. So.
1: Her boobs might have grazed against my shoulders. Okay.
0: What's next? That's gross.
1: Wednesday, March 1st, 1978, Charlie Chaplin's body was stolen and held for ransom. What? His widow refused to pay the ransom demands of $400,000 because Charlie would have thought it ridiculous. The body was found 11 weeks later.
0: Where was the body found?
1: Well, its coffin was dug up and stolen from its grave by two unemployed immigrants, Roman Wardus from Poland and Gancho Ganev from Bulgaria. The body was held for ransom in an attempt to extort money from Una Chaplin. The pair were caught in a large police operation in May, and Charlie, Charlie's coffin was found buried in a field in the nearby village of Noville. It was re in the Corsier Cemetery surrounded by reinforced concrete.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, isn't that that's crazy. crazy. His body. Yeah.
1: His immigrants. I guess we got to build so, that wall. So
0: I, I wonder when he had died. Like, did he? Had he just died?
1: Oh, I feel like we covered his death in the seventies, right?
0: I don't. I don't know. Charlie
1: Chaplin died. I know I mentioned it.
0: Well, so was it a fresh? You your corpse? Phone? Google it. I just want to know: was it a fresh corpse, or was it like skeletal remains, or what?
1: Was well, it just a the coffin. They didn't open the coffin.
0: Oh, they didn't? No, it oh. was coffin. They took I, I coffin. I was thinking like Weekend at Bernie style going oh, on. Oh, I wish. No? You yeah, don't. maybe
1: Ted Bunny fucked it.
0: Or put blow dried in the No, mirror. it was just the coffin, but I
1: know we talked about when Ted Charlie Bundy Chaplin was died. was so
0: bizarre. What am I supposed to search here?
1: Charlie Chaplin death.
0: Oh, I thought... I was going to search and see how old he was when they stole his body.
1: No, he found out when he died. I can tell you in 1978 they took his
0: body. That's that oh, that's true. Duh. 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 When did Charlie Chaplin die? December 25th, 1977. Yeah. Well, we so he had, had just died. died. Yep. I thought
1: we'd talk about that. All right. And then on Wednesday, March 1st, that same day, Mm -hmm. the FBI set up something called Abdul Enterprises, LTD, and posed as Middle Eastern businessmen. They videotaped talks with government officials where they offered money in return for political favors to a fictional Middle Eastern businessman. Eleven U.S. government officials were out of a job after this bribery and conspiracy scandal.
0: Oh, wow. It
1: was abscam. Have you ever heard of that? Isn't
0: that, don't they call that entrapment, though?
1: It was the FBI code name for the operation.
0: Doesn't that sound like entrapment?
1: I don't really understand the difference, so I don't really
0: know. Like you, kind of entice somebody into committing a crime.
1: I I don't know if that's. I don't know. If you're willing to do that, and you're a government official, then fuck you. Yeah, I know. And then on March, (laughs) pretty obvious. Yeah. And then on March fourth, nineteen seventy-eight you got a new number one song by Andy Gibb.
0: I don't know if I know this one.
1: Love is Thicker Than Water.
0: This is pretty bad.
1: From March 4th to March 17th. Love is Thicker Than Water was written originally by Barry Gibb Mm. in Bermuda alone, with Andy Gibb credited as a co-writer.
0: It's funny that he's not... He's
1: not doing I'm sure falsetto. I'm sure he'll get to that stupid false of bullshit. But Andy Gibb later revealed uh, writing a song with Barry. I did one song with Barry, "Thicker Than Water," which I thought was good. Gibb explained, even though it says on the credits B and A Gibb, it, it's really Barry's song. It's very hard to write with Barry, but he said, "Help me think of a great title." That was a period when Barry was thinking of titles first and seeing how they would inspire him to write a song. We were thinking of titles first and seeing how they would inspire him to write a song. We were thinking of good titles, and I said, how about Thicker Than Water? I did not say love is just Thicker Than Water. And he said, that's great. And then we started kissing. (laughs) (laughs) On the mouth with a lot of tongue.
0: We got it. We got it.
1: it? We're brothers.
0: It's a crap song.
1: Yeah, that song sucks. Yep. Um, And then on, that was the fourth, uh, the next day on Sunday, March 5th. Mm Mm-hmm. The Gibbs kept having sex. No. Uh another nominee for Best Picture came out. Mm-hmm. A movie called An Unmarried Woman. Have you ever heard of this? Nope. A healthy woman. I'm sorry. A wealthy woman. <laughs> a wealthy woman from Manhattan's Upper East Side struggles to deal with her new identity and her sexuality after her husband of sixteen years leaves her for a younger woman. Starring Jill Clayburgh, Alan Bates, and Michael Murphy. Okay. I went to elementary school with a dirty kid named Michael Murphy, and everybody would take turns beating him him up.
0: Poor kid.
1: But he would win some of the fights. Mm. Yeah, everybody was mean to him. But he he was...
0: He probably turned into a serial killer. He
1: probably killed everybody. Or he starred in movies. In a scene where when several friends of Erica, Jill Claybar, chatting in her bedroom... One of the women complains that there are no great actresses like Betty Davis and Catherine Hepburn anymore. Erica mentions Jane Fonda and Barbara Streisand, but her friend considers them not as good. The year this movie was released, Jane Fonda won an Academy Award for Best Actress, for which Jill Clayburgh was also nominated.
0: Oh, boom! Boom
1: in your face! Yep. Your movie says I'm not good, but boom, I beat your ass out. Then on Saturday, March eighteenth, nineteen seventy-eight. Oh, another BG. The Bee Gees again, another Bee Gees, like three in a row, it's just Bee Gees. Yep. It's just all Bee Gees. That's all anybody listened to.
0: Yep. God.
1: Night Fever. Yes. It's a song written and performed by the Bee Gees. It first appeared on the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever on RSO Records. Producer Robert Stigwood wanted to call the film Saturday Night.
0: We already went through that.
1: But singer Robin Gibb expressed hesitation of the title. Stigwood, li- no, he want to talk, called the film Saturday Night. Oh. Saturday Night Fever. But Robin Gibbs had hesitation, and Stigwood liked the title Night Fever, but was wary of marketing a movie with that name. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Or another damn Bee Gees goddamn.
0: That's a good one, too. But you love it. Yeah.
1: I'm getting into it. You want to get up and dance? It's funky, a bit? babe. It is funky. My fever,
0: my fever.
1: But. We're gonna have to leave it here, yep, with Night Fever because that's the end of that's all I got for March. Okay, and we'll we'll Sweet. pick up in April. Yep, for our next episode. We're out of time. Thank you for listening. I better stop the BGS before we get in trouble for copyright infringement. Yeah, um, but uh, thanks for listening, friends and family. Uh, special shout out to those who've listened. Uh, we found Mike out Lishinsky. Mike Lachinsky is listening from Brooklyn, New York. Thank you, Mike, for listening. We love you. Brian McCartney's still listening, I think. I think Kerry Johnson's listening. Steve Brace. American Sherry Grace. Oh, lot Muppets. My mom. Tarned. Your mom. Uh, Muppets uh, behind on a few episodes. so It'll be a while before he hears this. Uh,
0: Brian, I think, still uh, Brian
1: might listen. There's, you know, we got friends, and there's probably some foes that are listening. Um, <laughs> there's some people we don't know. There's people, random people from Instagram, like... Uh, Avak.
0: You uh, said foes.
1: Anthony? No, not foes. I'm sure there's foes. There's people that are enemies.
0: What are right. you talking about? All right.
1: Elizabeth Johnson. Here comes listening.
0: Chuck Berry. We better get out of here. Yo,
1: Chuck Berry, get out of here, man! It's time to end this with no. a little Matt Truman style. That's right. Buy Matt Truman's albums on Bandcamp. He's the greatest American singer. Hi. I love you. I love you too. Oh, boom! <laughs> in his face. I was talking. About this.